Imhotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. So you can follow us there as well. Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Sunday, March 6, 2022, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. I'm your host, Brother Michael Imhotep. All right, so um, last Sunday on our show, we talked about uh, African students, numerous uh, numerous African students in Ukraine uh, attending medical school, college students, things like this, engineering, making claims that they were being mistreated when it came to trying to get out of Ukraine. Now, we know that Russia invaded Ukraine on Thursday, uh, February 24th. We know the day is day uh, 11 of the uh, of the Russian invasion. So far, 1.5 million people have uh, fled Russia. I mean, it's a fled, fled Ukraine. About half of them going into, um, about half of them are going into Poland. Okay, so if you've been watching uh, our show, you know we've been covering this daily here on the African History Network show. And incidentally, I was covering this uh, even before dealing with uh, African uh, African students in Ukraine. I was talking about that even before. Uh, a lot of uh, mainstream cable news networks started talking about it. And even before uh, the first article I saw from NBC News dealing with this was uh, March 1st, 2022. I started talking about this February 27th. Okay, so uh, we're going to give you an update dealing with what's going on with the African students. More of them have uh, made it out, but uh, still allegations of discrimination. We know the United Nations has come out and um, admits refugees have faced racism at Ukraine borders. But also we got the uh, we got the news today that WNBA star uh, Brittany Griner has been detained apparently for weeks uh, in Russia. Uh, and this deals with uh She's being charged with uh, possession of uh, drugs. Brittany Griner's Star Center is detained in Russia. Uh, New York Times has a big article on this. And it's uh, people are fearing, especially those national security experts, things like this. People have knowledge of um, international um, politics, et cetera. Uh, people are fearing that uh, she may be used in a pawn uh, between Russia and the U.S. New York Times has a big article on this. Brittany Griner, star WNBA center, is detained in Russia. Russian customs officials said a U.S. basketball player had vape cartridges in, uh, containing hashish oil in her luggage. A Russian news agency identified the player as Brittany Griner. Okay. Uh, and she plays uh, in Russia. She, so she plays for the Phoenix Mercury. Um, for the WNBA, but she also plays uh, for international team in Russia as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this, give you an update on what's going on. First story I saw about this was from um, the, I think it was the New York Post. We posted it on our, on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. Um, we posted an article there, but New York Times is an extensive article dealing with this as well. So uh, I was looking at this article here from uh, New York Times, and then I saw one from businessinsider.com. 
And the one from, so when I first saw the story dealing with um, Brittany Griner, the first thing that came to mind, and, and, and I found out she was playing for a league in Russia, okay? And the first thing that came to mind is, wait a second, why would a two-time Olympic gold medalist and why would uh, a WNBA superstar like Brittany Griner, why would she uh, be playing for a team in Russia? I said, it must be because she does not make nearly as much money as NBA superstars, as male superstars make. Okay. So that was the first thing that uh, came to mind when I uh, saw that story. So then there was a uh, article from uh, businessinsider.com. Okay. Uh, I, I saw an article from businessinsider.com that uh, echoed what I was immediately thinking. So this piece is called uh, how, how Low WNBA Salaries Led to an American Basketball Superstar's Detainment in Russia. All right. Uh, this is an article from WN, uh, from uh, businessinsider.com. We'll talk a little bit about this uh, as well. How low WNBA salaries led to an American basketball superstar's detainment. This is from March 5th, 2022. Okay. And one of the things it says here is uh, uh, American basketball star Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia and faces drug smuggling charges. The Olympic gold medalist spends her WNBA off seasons competing for Russian club UMMC, um, a Kettenberg, Brittany Griner and other women's basketball stars command much higher salaries overseas than in the U.S. Brittany Griner and other women's basketball stars, WNBA stars, get paid more money playing overseas than playing in the U.S. Okay, so we'll discuss that a, a, a little bit as well. But when I first heard the story, I said that, that's the first thing I thought, because there's been there's been a lot of conversation and controversy over even though we know that with the NBA, the viewership is much higher. But it's like, wait a second. Why are these women making such little money playing in the WNBA? So we'll talk about that. Then um, there's been an outpouring of support for um, African students who are trying to flee uh, Ukraine. OK, uh, there's a there's a, a, a story from uh, Atlanta, from uh, face to face Africa dot com that we posted on our uh, Facebook fan page, the African History Network. It deals with um, black women raised sixty thousand dollars to help um, black students flee Ukraine after report of mistreatment. OK, so so you have that story. Uh, we know some of the. Uh, African students have been able to uh, have been able to make it out, make it to safety. Uh, some of them are going to Hungary and uh, Romania. All right. Some are going to Hungary and, and Romania. And then uh, th there was a story that I saw uh, from March 4th. Uh, 
where a group of uh, a group of black attorneys filed a United Nations complaint for African refugees. A group of African attorneys filed a United Nations complaint for uh, African refugees. Okay, so and of course in that group is Benjamin Crump who is all over the place doing a, a, a lot of good work. Uh, and he's doing more work than the people that criticize him. I'll tell you that. Um, the group of lawyers that, so NBC news has a, has a, a, a story on this. Uh, the group of lawyers, which includes Ben Crump will send the complaint to two agencies, uh, within, with the United nations. So we'll, we'll discuss that as well. Now, uh, this past week, uh, President Joe Biden gave his uh, State of the Union address. And the first 15 minutes or so uh, dealt with Ukraine. And then after that, he dealt with a lot of um, domestic issues. We'll do a brief. So we talked about this earlier in the week on our show. So we'll do a brief recap of uh, what he discussed. But there was a portion of it where he said, we don't want to fund the police. We don't, we don't want to defund the police. We want to fund the police. We don't want to defund the police. We want to fund the police. Now, this got overwhelming support in the chamber by Democrats and Republicans. But a lot of uh, activists are attacking uh, what he said, but what we're going to what we're going to do is deconstruct what Joe President Joe Biden said, because the George Floyd we're coming up on a break just a second. I hear it. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act does not defund the police; it actually funds the police. And very few people are talking about this. We're going to go through and deconstruct this step by step, and break this down. Uh, right here today on the African History Network show. All right, now it's in AM Superstation and Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. iRedify is a Black-owned digital platform that showcases Black and Brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. 
Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iredify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, March 6th, 2022, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. All right, look, we had a, uh, two great uh, classes that I taught this weekend, uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school, and uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Visit our website, African dot com. You can still register for those online classes uh, there. So 10-week online classes that I teach. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So I'll give you more information on that. Okay, also um, on today's show, the uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, we talked about this on Thursday show. Tucker Carlson stuck his foot in his mouth again. Fox News, Tucker Carlson, a little white nationalist, Tucker Carlson, okay, um, he's demanding to see uh, the Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's LSAT scores um, to determine her qualifications to be uh, on the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay, Joe Biden's nominee for the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, Katanji Brown Jackson. We're going to talk a little bit about this as well. Joanne Reed dealt with this also. We talked about it on a Thursday show. So uh, we're going to squeeze that in as well on today's show. Now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you read, heard, and seen about yourself. Because when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on, here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T the 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. All right, we're going to go to clip number one here, uh, Jalen from NBC Nightly News uh, on Brittany Griner here in just a second. So if we look at this story here, and then we'll go to the phone lines. If we look at this story here from uh, New York Times, uh, Brittany Griner, uh, star WNBA center, is detained in Russia, uh, Russian customs officials said a U.S. basketball player had a vape, had vape cartridges containing hashish oil in her luggage. A Russian news agency identified the player as Brittany Griner. So the story is from uh, March 5th, uh, Saturday, March 5th, updated March 6th. Uh, Russia said on Saturday, March 5th, Russia said on Saturday, March 5th, um, that it had detained uh, an American basketball player. It had detained an American basketball player, uh, later identified as uh, Phoenix Mercury Center, Brittany Griner. 
on drug charges, entangling a U.S. citizen's fate in the dangerous confrontation between Russia and the rest of Ukraine. Now, the Russian Federal uh, Customs Service said its officials had detained a Negriner after finding vape cartridges that contained hashish oil in her luggage uh, at the uh, Sheremetyevo uh, 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 Airport near Moscow. And it released a video of a traveler going through airport security who appeared to be Brittany Griner. The customs service did not release the player's name, but the Russian news agency TASS, T-A-S-S, or TASS, citing a law enforcement source, identified the player as Brittany Griner, seven-time WNBA, um, seven-time uh, seven WNBA All-Star Center for the uh, Mercury, for the Phoenix Mercury. In a statement, Brittany Griner's agent, Lindsay uh, Kagawa-Colas, did not dispute reports of her client's detention. Quote, we are aware of the situation with Brittany Griner in Russia and are in uh, and are in close contact with her, her legal representation of Russia, her family, her teams, and the WNBA and NBA, she said. Now, in, in hearing this story on uh, Saturday and, and reading about it from the New York Post, because that was the first story I saw about this, uh, they said that her last post on Instagram was on... Uh, February 5th, her last post on Instagram was on February 5th. So it's suspected that she's been in custody for a few weeks. Okay. Now, uh, and we're going to, let me see, we're going to get that uh, clip to you, Jalen. Uh, it, it, so it's, it's suspected that she's been in custody for a few weeks here. Um, all right. Let's go back to this. Uh, I want to go back to the article from the New York Times. Now, Brittany Griner's detention comes at the most dangerous moment in U.S.-Russia relations since the Cuban Missile Crisis. As the Biden administration leads dozens of nations in imposing crushing sanctions on Russia's on Russia's economy and its and its political elites. So the, the so the sanctions are tightening up day by day on Russia, on Russia and the Russian oligarchs. We see Visa and Mastercard are going to stop doing uh, uh, transactions in Russia. We see American Express is going to do the same thing. We see Netflix is uh, going to stop streaming in Russia. We we see day after day after day more and more crushing sanctions put on Russia. President Vladimir uh, Putin of Russia said on Saturday that the sanctions were, quote, akin to declaration of war, end quote, against his country. Well, well you're the one that went into Ukraine. You should, you should have kept your thug behind in Russia. You, you're the one that went to Ukraine. You don't want to send troops into Ukraine. Now, also on Saturday, the State Department, which for weeks had warned Americans against traveling to Russia, released an updated advisory 
urging U.S. citizens to leave Russia immediately. Okay, so this is escalated. This is escalated since this is escalated since our show last Thursday. I mean, last uh, last Sunday. This is escalated since our February 27th show, Sunday, February 27th. On Saturday, March 5th, the U.S. State Department, which for weeks had warned Americans against traveling to Russia, released an updated advisory urging U.S. citizens to leave the country immediately, citing the invasion in Ukraine, the, quote, potential for harassment against U.S. citizens by Russian government security officials and the limited ability of the U.S. Embassy in Moscow to assist American citizens in the country. Now, uh, Michael McFall, a former U.S. ambassador to Moscow, who you'll see is an analyst on MSNBC, and he's pretty much on MSNBC every day now uh, with this invasion taking place. Uh, Michael McFall said, I obviously don't know the circumstances of her detention, but but Griner's arrest should serve as a wake up call to all Americans in Russia. Griner's arrest should serve as a wake up call to all Americans in Russia. Get out, shut down your businesses now. And he's been in Russia many times. Now, the video released by uh, Russia's Customs Service showed a traveler passing through uh, security screening, followed by footage of someone examining a package that appeared to be from the traveler's bag. The uh, it was like a screener examining examining a package uh, that appeared to be from her bag. The screener at the airport, uh, the screening at the airport occurred in February, according to the Customs Service, raising the possibility that Brittany Griner, who's 31 years old, has been in custody for at least several days. Now, the Customs Service could be a few weeks because the last post on our Instagram page is February 5th. The Customs Service said that a criminal case had been opened into the large-scale transportation of drugs, which can carry a sentence of up to 10 years in, in prison in Russia. Hashish oil or hash oil is a marijuana concentrate that has a high concentration of the plant's main psychoactive ingredient, THC. It can be consumed in many ways, but it is commonly sold in cartridges that are used in vape pens. Okay. Now, I don't, she may, if this is hers, she may have, she may be using, she may vape. A lot of people vape. I don't. I don't smoke cigarettes, don't smoke marijuana, don't drink alcohol, don't do any of that. But I don't think she was drug trafficking. I don't, you know, I don't think she's like Frank Lucas like smuggling drugs into the U.S. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. We'll also go to the phone lines, and then I'm going to deconstruct um, Joe Biden's State of the Union address and his statement where he said, we don't want to defund the police. We want to fund the police. And a lot of the woke activists are going crazy. But you do realize the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act doesn't defund the police. It actually funds the police. You do realize that. That's not me saying that. Senator Cory Booker, who helped write the bill, said that. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. 
The Business Scaling Challenge is a seven-day online event that is taking place the week of March 13th through March 19th, 2022. This challenge will guide a group of business owners through scaling their businesses. Business owner Ronnie Sumler is hosting the Business Scaling Challenge in remembrance and honor of her father, the late civil rights activist Rodney Sumler. He helped a lot of African-American-owned businesses and local community leaders participate in politics. However, when he passed away, all of his ventures died with him. This inspired his daughter, Ronnie Sumler, to help community business owners preserve their businesses. Her business, Digital Dandelions, offers business Bibles to record business processes and procedures. Their business Bibles are their branded run of show business manuals that have everything you need to run your business in one place. Their business scaling kit is the first step in creating a business Bible. It includes everything needed to grow your business in one place. Join the Business Scaling Challenge Facebook group for more information and good luck in scaling your business. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Show right here on 9 10 a.m. Superstation the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, March 6, 2022, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Okay, uh, Jalen, I'm, I'm sending this clip to you now uh, of uh, Brittany Griner. Uh, cue that up. We'll go into that next. Okay, uh, calling numbers 313-778-7600. Okay, so right before the break, uh, we're giving an update on what's going on with Brittany Griner. We're also talking about Ukraine. We'll, we'll talk. Uh, so, you know, last Sunday, on February 27th show, we talked about the mistreatment of um, African immigrants trying to get out of uh, Ukraine, especially those who were headed into Poland, especially those headed into Poland. And we know Poland um, borders Ukraine, Poland, Hungary, uh, Romania, those all border Ukraine. There's a global group of black attorneys who have, who um, who will file a UN complaint for African refugees? Okay, and the group of attorneys include uh, Benjamin Crump. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss this as well. An alliance of prominent civil rights lawyers from around the world on Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday, which was uh, March third, I think that was uh, a prominent group of. That was uh, March 2nd, a, a an alliance of prominent civil rights lawyers from around the world on Wednesday announced it will file an appeal to the United Nations on behalf of black refugees facing discrimination while trying to flee Ukraine. 
The group includes Benjamin Crump, the civil rights attorney for the families of uh, uh, George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, attorney Jasmine Rand, who represented the families of Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown, Peter Herbert, one of Britain's few non-white judges, Jamaican member of parliament, G. Anthony Hilton, British solicitor Jacqueline McKenzie, and Carlos Moore, president of the National Bar Association in the U.S. They plan to file the appeal to the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, as well as the, the, as well as the UN's Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. There's a tweet here from Benjamin Crump's uh, law firm also. So we'll, we'll talk about this uh, a little bit later in the show. Okay, uh, so I want to go back to the story here dealing with uh, Brittany Griner. We'll go to the phone lines in just a minute. Everybody uh, stand by. New York Times has a big article on this. Um, Brittany Griner, star WNBA center, is detailed in Russia. This is from uh, March 5th, 2022. So the, the article goes on to say the incident comes amid intense repression within Russia as Vladimir Putin cracks down on internal dissent to a degree analysts say they have not seen since the days of the Soviet Communist Party. In recent years, U.S. officials have accused Russia of detaining and sentencing American citizens on trumped up charges. The detaining of a high profile uh, American could even be an effort by Russia to gain leverage in the political and economic standoff with Washington over the Ukraine invasion. Okay, uh, Jalen, let's let's go to this uh, clip. Let's go to clip one from. Uh, let's go. To, let's go to this clip from uh, NBC Nightly News about Brittany Griner. Tonight, growing concerns over WNBA star and two-time Olympic gold medalist Brittany Griner, arrested by Russian federal customs officials on drug charges. This weekend, they released a video showing a traveler believed to be Griner going through airport security, followed by a closer inspection of her suitcase. The Customs Service saying they found vape cartridges containing hash oil, an offense which could carry a 10-year prison sentence. So how worried should we be about Brittany's well-being right now? Unfortunately, Kathy, I think we should be really worried. Once they figured out who she was, given the timing and everything that's happening right now, it's undeniable that she's now being held as part of the pawn in this geopolitical standoff and in the war in Ukraine. Her arrest comes amid heightened tensions between the U.S. and Russia as the war in Ukraine enters another week. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, when asked about Griner, said... Whenever an American is detained anywhere in the world, uh, we, of course, stand ready to provide every possible assistance, uh, and that includes in Russia. The 31-year-old center with the Phoenix Mercury has played in Russia during the last seven years during the NBA offseason. Her team tweeting, our main concern is her safety, physical, and mental health. With reports Griner has been detained for weeks, Griner's wife posted, this message comes during one of the weakest moments of my life. We continue to work on getting my wife home safely. A spokesperson for the WNBA says that other than Griner, all players with the league are now out of Russia and Ukraine. All right. All right. Thanks, Jalen. 
Okay, so that's from uh, NBC Nightly News. That's from uh, March 6th, uh, 2022. And then um, NBC News has this uh, story as well. For more information, check this out. Brittany Griner's wife posts Instagram post on Instagram about WNBA stars detainment in Russia. Okay. That is from uh, March 6th, uh, 2022. Also, you can check that out as well. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, let's go to line one. Uh, who we have on line one? Is this Michael on line one? Who we have on line one, Jalen? We have uh, Sylvia. Sylvia, Sylvia line one. Hey, Sylvia, welcome to the African History Network show. Uh, thanks for calling and thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Uh, yeah, this is Sylvia in Detroit. Uh, my uh, issue is who travels with cannabis, knowing that there are checkpoints, and especially going to another country with uh, cannabis, which uh, federally is still not so uh, freely uh you know, legal. Well, they were, they were, they were vaping thing, cartridges. You'd be, you, you, Sylvia, you'd be surprised who travels. You, you'd be surprised who travels and gets caught. <laughs> but these were vaping these were vaping cartridges that had, had shish oil in them. You'd be surprised who travels and gets caught. That's just so crazy when you know you got checkpoints. And also with the students, why did the students choose to go there with their scholarships and affordability of something that lured them over there? Well, well a, lot of, a, a lot of students uh, go there for the educational opportunities. They have good educational opportunities in Ukraine at uh, at affordable costs. There was a there was a story that we dealt with uh, earlier in the week um, that talked about that. Uh, as well, we'll, we'll go to that uh, shortly. I'll pull that. I'll pull that story back up. But it talked about the educational uh, opportunities there. Okay. All right. That is all I had to ask you because I thought it was so crazy, and I was just wondering how they were luring the rest of the people over there. But well, well, like no, you said, there well, no, this, this, this students from this, this, this students from India. They're students from Morocco. They're Middle Eastern students who go to uh, Ukraine for education. Uh, there was a there was a story from the BBC that um, that dealt with why uh, they go to Ukraine. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. All right. I'll keep listening. Question. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for calling. All right. Um, uh-huh. Let's go to line two, Jalen. We have uh, who we have on line two? Is that Larry? Well, we lost Larry. Okay, Larry, call back. Sometimes it's a, it's sometimes it's a little wait to get in. Uh, call back, Larry. Uh, anybody else on the line, Jalen? No callers. Okay, call in numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. All right. So... There was a story from uh, businessinsider.com because the first thing that I thought about was um, when I heard about Brittany Griner, I said, well, why would she, she's a top WNBA star. I said, she must be playing in Russia. She must be playing for a Russian league in the off season. Keep in mind, she's doing this in the off season, the WNBA off season. She's playing in a foreign league. I mean, the off season you should take off, let your body rest. I said, she must be doing this to make money. 
And then I saw this article from businessinsider.com, how low WNBA salaries led to an American basketball superstar's detainment in Russia. This is, this is by Meredith Cash, March 5th, 2022, how low WNBA salaries led to an American basketball player, American basketball superstar's detainment in Russia. Um, so it talks about American basketball star Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia and faces drug smuggling charges. The Olympic gold medalist spends her WNBA off seasons competing for Russian club UMMC. Griner and other women's basketball stars command much higher salaries overseas than in the U.S. Seven-time WNBA All-Star and two-time Olympic gold medalist Brittany Griner was arrested at a Moscow airport in February for possession of vape cartridges filled with cannabis oil, hashish oil. The six-foot-nine Phoenix Mercury superstar now faces up to 10 years in, in, in a Russian prison for, quote, large-scale transportation of drugs, what Russians are saying is large-scale transportation of drugs, according to the New York Times. Now, Griner has already been detained in the country for three weeks, according to a uh, fellow WNBA player, and given and given escalating tensions between the United States and Putin, Putin's regime could spend an extended period of time in Russian custody. The horrifying situation has shaken the American sports landscape. Um, like many other women's basketball players, Griner spends her WNBA offseason competing overseas. Since 2014, Brittany Griner has suited up for the Russian powerhouse UMMC, UMMC uh, Ekaterinburg alongside a rotating group of fellow WNBA superstars, including Brianna Stewart, John Quayle Jones, Ali Quigley, Courtney Vandersloot, and Emma and Emma uh, Messman. Okay, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. Let's to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. We'll be back in a few minutes. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. Come and travel with me to a time long ago and place far away. You will experience high adventure and excitement. You are fighting alongside an ancient army in fierce battle. Feel the exhilaration of struggle and final conquest. My name is Maninkare and I am both a prince and a priest in one of the most advanced civilizations humans have ever produced. I want you to ride with me in my chariot as I slay the barbarians who have come to invade my land. I invite you to sit at the conference table with the great Pharaoh Taharqa and his ministers as they plan intrigue and use subterfuge to outmaneuver and defeat the enemy. Come back with me to the land of your ancestors, to the beautiful land of Kemet. So open the pages of this book and begin the adventure. 
Find out what happens in the book Menenkere Battles the Assyrians in the Nile Valley from author Makari Jones. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, March 6th, 2022, and we are live. All right, Dale, I'm about to send you this other clip here dealing with Ukraine. Um, because we're gonna we're gonna go to that also. We're gonna go back to uh I want to go back to this article dealing with um I want to go back to this article dealing from businessinsider.com dealing with the low pay of WNBA players. Okay. Dealing with the low pay of uh, WNBA players. All right. Uh, Cue uh, that clip. I just sent you a clip from uh, NBC News dealing with Ukraine, Jalen. So cue that up, please. All right. So as I said before the break, when I first heard this story about Brittany Griner playing for a team in Russia during the WNBA offseason. First thing I thought is, okay, because of the low pay in the WNBA, she's doing this to make money. All of these players, so uh, this piece uh, said that like many other women's basketball players, Brittany Griner spends her WNBA offseason competing overseas. Since 2014, she's played for the Russian powerhouse UMMC, along with other WNBA superstars. Now, all of these players command significantly higher salaries abroad, overseas, than they can possibly earn in the U.S. This year, Brittany Griner is set to take home a league maximum of $227,900 annual salary from the Phoenix Mercury. But only in recent years has her payday climbed into the six-figure range playing in the WNBA. I mean, how much, the, the amount of money they get paid in the WNBA is criminally, criminally low. Okay, she's in the WNBA, okay, she 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 makes a league maximum of $227,900. But only in recent years has her payday climbed into the six-figure range. She reportedly earns $1 million per season with the Russian UMMC uh, uh, team per the Arizona Republic's Jet Matcliffe. So she gets paid almost four times, almost five times, well, it's uh, a little more than four times as much playing overseas than she does in the WNBA. Even under ordinary circumstances, this two season per year lifestyle is far from idea. Without proper time to rest and rehabilitate, pay attention to this, without proper time to rest and rehabilitate their bodies, athletes like Brittany Griner often find themselves dealing with nagging injuries in addition to a accelerated wear and tear that can cut their professional careers short. But not only that, they end up they, they, not only that, many of them have lifelong injuries which require surgeries throughout the duration of their life. 
But during moments of international crisis, like the early days of the pandemic or right now, as Russia wages war in Ukraine, WNBA players take on second jobs overseas because it becomes all the more perilous. WNBA players taking on second jobs overseas becomes all the more perilous. Thanks to the rapidly deteriorating relationships between her home country, the U.S., and her off-season abode, Russia, Brittany Griner may be a pawn in a fiery feud between two global superpowers. According to the New York Times, Brittany Griner's arrest could be linked to a Russian effort to create leverage for a potential prisoner exchange with the American government or a reduction in sanctions related to the Ukraine invasion. In the past, the New York Times Jonathan Abrams continues in that same article, quote, Russia has been detaining and sentencing American citizens on what United States officials often say are trumped up charges, end quote. They may release a video of her admitting to doing something. She may be coerced to do a video, admitting to do something, and they'll use that, Russia will use that as leverage as well. Whether her detainment is connected to the larger geopolitical feud or not, Brittany Griner almost certainly would not be in this situation if not for this pay disparity. Had she made even a fraction of what her NBA counterparts do playing domestically, Brittany Griner could have stayed in the United States for the offseason without fear that she would not have enough money for retirement. She could have rested her six foot nine frame ahead of this summer's WNBA season as her reloaded Mercury Phoenix squad, Phoenix Mercury squad, sets its sights on a second straight WNBA finals appearance, and she could have spent time back home with friends and loved ones. Most importantly, has she been offered an opportunity to make $1 million in America instead of Russia, Brittany Griner could have avoided jail time under a hostile foreign power. Read this article here from businessinsider.com. Because when I because I've seen number one, I remember when the WNBA started. Okay. And over the years, I've seen numerous stories that have talked about the extremely low pay that these professional stars make, even after they go to the Olympics and represent their country in the Olympics and win gold, go for the gold, win gold, all this stuff. And they get extremely low pay in the WNBA. Okay, read this from businessinsider.com. All right, now, uh, when Sylvia called in, Sylvia asked a question about, um, Sylvia asked a question about why do they go to the Ukraine or go to Ukraine for education? So we talked about this early in the week. Um, BBC, BBC had a good article on this why so many African and Indian students were in the country, in Ukraine? Why so many African and Indian students were in Ukraine? We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. 
Um, I'll let you uh, hear what happened when I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered Friday. Dan Abrams of News Nation had Roland on and misrepresented a tweet from Roland dealing with uh, firing police officers. I brought up the, the I brought up Joe Biden's State of the Union address when he said we don't want to defund the police, we want to fund the police. And I referenced this back to Joe Biden's June 2020 op-ed article for USA Today, where he said the same thing when he was running on the uh, presidential campaign trail. But also the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act does not defund the police. It actually funds the police if you know what it does, but it does it in a good way. I'm going to deconstruct this on the other side of the break. Listen to the After History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Stand. Follow the story Skeeter Hawk as attorney Ben Brooks rediscovers his Gullah Geechee heritage and finds romance along the Gullah Trail and the Sea Islands. Jilted by his fiancee who refused to marry him, Ben Brooks goes back home to Gullah country. There, the Gullah people come to call him Skeeter Hawk. While rediscovering his heritage, Skeeter Hawk unravels dark family secrets. A beautiful childhood friend, Fulla, becomes his guide as they travel the Gullah Trail from North Carolina to the Sea Islands in South Carolina in search of more answers. Ben Brooks falls in love with her and becomes torn between her and his former fiance who wants to rekindle their romance. He also deals with a premonition that one of his enemies is pursuing him, providing a backdrop for mystery, romance, intrigue, and suspense in this page-turning novel called Skeeter Hawk from author Savvy Stone. Order your copy today at SavvyStone.com. That's S-A-B-Y, SavvyStone.com. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. Okay, next class is Saturday, March 12th. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Class is on sale, $60, regularly $130. Um, and even after the course is over, if you have full access, you can watch the class as much as you want to. Even a year from now, you can watch the class. We have a bundle pack where you get both uh, classes that I teach, both courses, on sale for $100, regularly $130. I'm sorry, regularly $260. Okay, uh, so those watching on Facebook and YouTube, let me know if uh, uh, the signal is coming through now. All right, so you can still register for the online class I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, I deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. 
I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips, um, all that and more. This is a 10 week online class and uh, the class is regularly $130 is on sale, uh, $60. Okay. If you've taken any of my online classes in the past, email me at AHN show at African history network.com AHN show at African history network.com. You get a 50% discount, uh, on, on the classes. And, uh, we have a bundle pack where you can register for both classes that I teach for a hundred dollars. That's a $260 value. The second class that I teach is on Sundays, uh, 2 PM to 4 PM Eastern standard time, uh, from the civil war to the civil rights movement and black power, 1865 to 1968. So we deal with the history from that period of time, from the beginning of the civil war and even what leads up to the civil war taking place. So we start with the Louisiana purchase of, uh, 1803. We start with the Louisiana Purchase of 1803 and go throughout history through uh, 1968. And that one's on sale $60 also, uh, regularly uh, $130. Okay, so uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and also email me at uh, show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, we'll see you in class. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, and also, as soon as you register, you can watch. Uh, the classes we just did this uh, this weekend, you can watch last week's class also. All right. Okay, I want to go back to uh, this story here. So uh, the question was asked, why uh, were so many African students in uh, Ukraine for uh, educational purposes? So if we look at this story here from the BBC, we talked about this earlier in the week. If we look at the story, uh, from the BBC, uh, Ukraine, why so many African and Indian students were in the country? Uh, it talks about uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has caused a mass exodus, mass exodus of civilians, including thousands of international students from Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Ukraine was home to over 76,000 foreign students, according to government data from 2020. Ukraine was home to over 76,000 foreign students, according to government data from 2020. Nearly a quarter of the students were from Africa, with the largest numbers coming from Nigeria, Morocco, and Egypt. India easily accounts for the highest portion with over 20,000 students, okay, in Ukraine. Now, uh, the students are studying medicine, engineering, and business, and are uh, important, and, and, these, uh, and these are uh, an important part of the country's economy. Uh, but as Russia launches the biggest European invasion since the Second World War, Thousands of them have fled, hundreds are still trapped, and many remain uncertain about the fate of their education. Okay. Uh, okay, so read the rest of this article here. Um, now, I, I want to go to this clip here. Uh, we're going to go to this clip that I just sent you, Jalen. And this is, uh, this is from um, NBC News. Uh, this is... As long as you are black, no one likes you. Students allege racism during escape 
from Ukraine. This is from March 2nd, 2022. Let's go to this clip, Jalen. Tonight in Ukraine, peace never had a chance. Overnight, Russians and Ukrainians agreeing to a partial ceasefire, allowing civilians in the devastated city of Mariupol to flee. But just hours later, while we were preparing to leave, the Russians started shelling the evacuation corridor, said the mayor. There was no ceasefire. Russia said it was the Ukrainians who broke the deal. Ukrainian President Zelensky calling its citizens to go on the offensive. This woman's 18-month-old son was killed yesterday. The doctors couldn't save him, she wailed, asking over and over again, why? People in this town have suffered days without heat, water, and electricity, and faced devastating Russian bombardment on civilian targets, according to Ukraine, a charge Russia denies. Outgunned and outmanned, the Ukrainians are still fighting 10 days into Russia's invasion, taking down a Russian helicopter and shooting down a Russian jet north of Kiev, killing one of its pilots. Russia's sprawling 40-mile convoy of armored vehicles failing to advance still stalled outside Kiev for nearly a week. As civilians in the capital overcome obstacles like this destroyed bridge to get to safety. Zelensky admonishing NATO for not implementing a flight ban. Starting from today, everyone who dies will die because of you as well, he said, because of your weakness, because of your disunity. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warning a no-fly zone could put NATO forces in direct conflict with Russia. But Russia's president is doubling down, telling flight attendants of the state airline that a no-fly zone and Western sanctions are a declaration of war. Any move in that direction will be considered by us as participation of that country in the military action, he said. Ukraine must be demilitarized and denazified, he said. That's the only message most Russians will hear about Putin's war. The harsh new media law comes into effect today, imposing a 15-year punishment on whoever spreads so-called fake news about the invasion. Independent media outlets are closing and being shut down. Staff at the Russian network TV Rain walked off set in unison during their last broadcast, leaving viewers old footage of Swan Lake, what the Soviet Union used to broadcast during times of strife. A chilling reminder of how Putin's new Russia is looking more like the old. And Matt Bradley joins us tonight from Rivne. There is concern, Matt, about another nuclear plant tonight. That's right, Jose. After that close call with a nuclear power plant on Thursday night, President Zelensky warned U.S. lawmakers the Russians are now closing in on yet another nuclear power plant, this one a little further to the west. Okay, so that was uh, the clip that I wanted, Jalen. Is uh, that what, that's dealing with the tenth day of the uh, invasion that that, that that you just played? Uh, go to the one that says, uh, "As long as you are black," uh, from NBC Nightly News. Okay, so that was uh, that clip was from Saturday, March fifth, twenty twenty two. That's dealing with the tenth the tenth day of the Russian invasion. We know the day is the eleventh day. Invasion started Thursday, February 24th. Uh, quick update from the Washington Post. Uh, live updates from the Washington Post. Uh, civilian toll mounts in Ukraine as world leaders raise question of war crimes. Uh, U.S. discusses oil exports with Venezuela amid a proposal to ban Russian fuel. 
two Ukrainian children killed in front of my own eyes while trying to evacuate, officials say. More than 4,500 anti-war protesters arrested in one day in Russia, group says. We know one point, about 1.6 million, 1.5, 1.6 million people have fled uh, Ukraine now, about half of them going to Poland. Uh, U.S. officials uh, have seen credible reports of intentional Russian attacks on civilians and are documenting and are documenting actions that could constitute a war crime, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony, Bl Anthony Blinken, Blinken said Sunday. Uh, quote, we've seen very credible reports of uh, deliberate attacks on civilians, which would constitute a war crime, uh, Blinken said on uh, CNN's uh, State of the Union. Uh, we've seen very credible reports about the use of certain weapons, okay, about the use of certain weapons. Now, a total of 364 civilians have been killed. Uh, and 759 injured since fighting began on February 24th, according to the United Nations Human Rights Office. Speaking on a day known as Forgiveness Day to Orthodox Christians, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky declared in a video message, we won't forgive, quote unquote, we won't forgive. Okay, do we do we have the clip uh, queued up, Jalen? Mostly they would they would consider white people first, white people first, Indian people, Arabic people, before black people. As long as you are black, no one likes you. I remember they punched a certain black guy, a policeman in Ukraine, punched a certain black guy for nothing. He was shot for nothing. Yes. So like I said earlier on, they consider white people before considering black people. Yes. And after that, we, we went to the to the train station, and they will they will not let us in. And when when they did let us in, they, they were like, "You have to give us money because this is this is not this is not free for you because you are foreign. This is not free for you. You have to pay for it. Maybe it's like a war. Many people start many strife. They want their people to get first. Of course, everyone wants the the people to be saved. So they had to express that in in a way. So I understand that, but at the same time, you should at least I mean, say it in a nice way. In uh, Ukraine, there is some some kind of this battle. There are uh, so many people there, and the police uh, don't let. Uh, they do like a kind of racism against foreigners. Uh, they let Ukrainian people cross first, and then they let us but uh, I don't uh, speak in general there is some few cases that do that all right so that was from uh, March 2nd 2022 uh, NBC News check out the article from NBC News black immigrants choose Ukraine for quality of life education war leaves them fearful Black immigrants choose Ukraine for quality of life, education, war leaves them fearful. Thousands of African and black people have made Ukraine their home and report and report rarely dealing with racism. The humanitarian crisis, however, has called their lives into question. 
and they have the uh, clip that, that, that we just played also. They interviewed the sister there. Uh, so, so read this article here from uh, NBC News. Okay. So um, I want to go to the, okay, so we did the update uh, on what's going on in Ukraine. Now, Face-to-Face Africa has a good article. Uh, and also this is uh, Ghana's Independence Day also, March 6, uh, uh, 1957, okay, when uh, Kwame Nkrumah uh, declared their independence. So happy Independence Day to Ghana. Um, black women raised $60,000 to help black students flee Ukraine after reports of mistreatment. So this is a, this is a good article and, and, and something good people are doing. And there's a lot of good that people are doing. Everything from the attorneys filing uh, the, the appeal with the United Nations to support for uh, uh, Africans uh, trying to get out of Ukraine, etc. cetera. Um, so this is from uh, March 4th, 2022 from face-to-faceafrica.com. Three black women have raised more than $60,000 to help black students flee Ukraine as Russia continues to attack the European country. Patricia Daly, who's 29 years old, she's a 29-year-old barrister in London, and her friend, 40-year-old social worker, Takunbu uh, Koiki, uh, got to know uh, via Twitter the story of a young black student who was documenting her difficult journey to escape Ukraine. The young woman, Corinne Skye, who we've talked about here on the show before, was studying in the eastern city uh, uh, of uh, Dnipro in Russia when invaded uh, by Ukraine February 24th, according to Sky News. Daly and Koiki um, later contacted Corinne Skye, who has since fled to Romania. The three women started a campaign to help other black students leave Ukraine amid the chaos. Uh, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, March 6, 2022. And we are live calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so... Uh, right before the break, we were talking about this great story um, of um, black women who raised uh, $60,000 to help black students free Ukraine after reports of mistreatment. This is from March 4, 2022, from um, this is from face to face Africa.com, face to face Africa.com. Okay, uh, we're going to go to uh, Joe Biden State of the Union address, uh, Jalen, in just a minute. So cue that cl- clip up. Okay. Uh, we're going to that next. So uh, you have um, Patrice Daly, Patricia Daly uh, and Takunbo, uh Koike, who found out about what's going on uh, with the plight of uh, African students. They found out on Twitter. The uh, and then and they found out about Corinne Sky, 26 years old, who's fleeing Ukraine. We talked about Corinne here on the show. Corinne uh, safely made it to Romania. Uh, the three women started a campaign to help other black students leave Ukraine amid the chaos. So the women told Sky News that they had helped more than 500 black students to flee Ukraine through 
quote, funding transport costs like arranging taxis and other emergency needs. Funding transport costs like arranging taxis and other emergency needs. What has been worrying since last week is the number of African students stranded in Ukraine. Apart from many Africans traveling to Ukraine to work, there are those who go there to study thanks to the European country's affordable tuition fees and its ties to Africa. Currently, Morocco, Nigeria, and Egypt are the African countries with the most students in Ukraine, with Morocco having about 8,000 students and Nigeria with 4,000 students, okay? Um, now, many have since uh, been concerned about their safety. This week, African students and families trapped in Ukraine said they were blocked from boarding uh, trains or uh, crossing borders to neighboring countries. Nigerian students and other uh, Africans in Ukraine spoke on Twitter about their plight while creating chats on Telegram and WhatsApp, the WhatsApp app, uh, where they shared videos that ap uh, appear to show Africans being blocked from fleeing the country. Okay, so check out the rest of this article here. This is a great story of uh, what they're doing. Black woman raised $60,000 to help black students flee Ukraine after reports of mistreatment. This is by Mildred Europa Taylor, March 4th, 2022 for face2faceafrica.com. All right. Um, so this past week, uh, Joe Biden did his State of the Union address. And a good portion of it in the beginning was dealing with Ukraine, okay? And then he dealt with uh, uh, domestic issues, okay? Uh, and this was on uh, Tuesday, okay? I think it was Tuesday, uh, March 1st. So, uh, and also NBC News has a, a good article to read, five takeaways from Biden's State of the Union speech. Um, Washington Post has uh, a story as well. Uh, dealing with this as well, uh, takeaways from uh, Biden's State of the Union address also. You can check that out as well. I want to go to uh, this recap of what Biden talked about. And there's a uh, piece here. So a, a lot of people are talking about Biden saying, uh, we don't want to defund the police. We want to fund the police. And there's controversy behind that. And a lot of activists are complaining, Black Lives Matter activists, things like that. But that's what Biden was saying on the campaign trail. And many of these same people are advocating for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. But the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act does not defund the police. It actually funds the police, but it does it in a responsible way. Now, I talked about this a little bit on Roland Martin Unfiltered when I was on Friday, March 4th. But due to time constraints, I didn't get a chance to get deep into it like I want to. So we're going to deconstruct this here uh, right now. Let's go to this clip, Jalen. My fellow Americans, last year, COVID-19 kept us apart. This year, we're finally together again. Tonight... 
days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met with a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. For more than two years, COVID has impacted every decision in our lives and the life of this nation. And I know you're tired, frustrated, and exhausted. That doesn't even count close to a million people who sit at a dining room table or a kitchen table and look at an empty chair. Let's use this moment to reset. So stop looking at COVID as a partisan dividing line. See it for what it is. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. Folks, let's come together and protect our communities, restore trust, and hold law enforcement accountable. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. state new laws have been passed not only suppressed the vote we've been there before but to subvert the entire election we can't let this happen tonight i call on the senate to pass pass the freedom to vote act pass the john lewis act voting rights act so on this night on our 245th year as a nation i've come to report on the state of the nation the state of the union and my report is this the State of the Union is strong because you, the American people, are strong. We are stronger today, stronger today than we were a year ago. We will be stronger a year from now than we are today. This is our moment to meet and overcome the challenges of our time. And we will, as one people, one America, the United States of America. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you. Go get him. All right, so uh, I watched the speech live. I watched it again as I recorded it. And, I mean, he had, you know, he has made some good points in there. Check out the uh, five takeaways from a Biden State of the Union address from um, NBC News. Uh, they talk about Ukraine, Biden aimed for unity and got got it with few exceptions. Yeah, two dumbasses, uh, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, um, who were heckling Joe Biden, two, two idiots from the Republican Party. Uh, a COVID victory lap uh, before a mostly maskless crowd blaming inflation on corporate greed. Uh, Biden pushes a new for build back better priorities without using the name. Just get the bill passed. Just just get the bills passed. So it don't really matter what you call it. Just get it. Just get the bills passed. Democracy versus autocracy. Things like this. Ukraine took up a good portion. About the first 15, 20 minutes or so was on Ukraine. All right. So. A lot of people were complaining about uh, him saying we don't want to 
defund the police. We want to fund the police. I guess they forgot what Biden said on the campaign trail in uh, June of uh, 2020, the op-ed article that uh, he wrote for uh, USA Today. Now, we talked about this here on this show when it came out because we actually did with like real substance on this show. So if you've been watching me for any time during the campaign, you know, we talked about this. Biden, we must urgently root out systemic racism from leasing to let me see, pull this up here. We must uh, urgently. Hold on. We must root out race for systemic racism from leasing to housing opportunity. Federal dollars did not go to departments that violate people's rights or turn to violence as a resort. But I don't support defunding the police. Now, this came out June 10th, 2020, during the presidential campaign. Joe Biden wrote this. We talked about it here on this show. He's, he's not for defunding the police. He then goes through in this piece here, he then goes through and breaks down. Uh, he goes through and breaks this down and he talks about there's a piece here. There's a section where he talks about uh, don't defund the police, support reforms. And he goes through, explains these. What he said in the State of the Union address is a boiled down version of this, but also the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act does not defund the police. It actually funds the police, but it does it in a good way, which falls in line with what Joe Biden said here. We're going to break all this down on the other side of the break. I talked about this a little bit on Roller Martin Unfiltered on Friday. Uh, you listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The Business Scaling Challenge is a seven-day online event that is taking place the week of March 13th through March 19th, 2022. This challenge will guide a group of business owners through scaling their businesses. Business owner Ronnie Sumler is hosting the Business Scaling Challenge in remembrance and honor of her father, the late civil rights activist Rodney Sumler. He helped a lot of African-American-owned businesses and local community leaders participate in politics. However, when he passed away, all of his ventures died with him. This inspired his daughter, Ronnie Sumler, to help community business owners preserve their businesses. Her business, Digital Dandelions, offers business Bibles to record business processes and procedures. Their business Bibles are their branded run-of-show business manuals that have everything you need to run your business in one place. Their business scaling kit is the first step in creating a business Bible. It includes everything needed to grow your business in one place. Join the Business Scaling Challenge Facebook group for more information and good luck in scaling your business. Come and travel with me to a time long ago and place far away. You will experience high adventure and excitement. You are fighting alongside an ancient army in fierce battle. Feel the exhilaration of struggle and final conquest. My name is Maninkare and I am both a prince and a priest in one of the most advanced civilizations humans have ever produced. I want you to ride with me in my chariot as I slay the barbarians who have come to invade my land. 
I invite you to sit at the conference table with the great Pharaoh Taharqa and his ministers as they plan intrigue and use subterfuge to outmaneuver and defeat the enemy. Come back with me to the land of your ancestors, to the beautiful land of Kemet. So open the pages of this book and begin the adventure. Find out what happens in the book Maninkare Battles the Assyrians in the Nile Valley from author Makari Jones. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, March 6, 2022, and we are live. Okay, so right before the break, we're laying this out, dealing with Joe Biden's comments, and a bunch of woke people don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to go through and break this down step by step. This is what happens when people come here, make comments, and don't read. Okay, I can I can tell what you didn't read by what you say. So I was dealing with what I talked about back in June of 2020 on this show because we actually deal with substance on this show. And Joe Biden's uh, op-ed article, opinion contributors op-ed article he wrote for USA Today during the 2020 presidential campaign where he laid all this out. Biden, we must urgently root out systemic racism from policing to housing opportunity. Federal dollars should not go to departments that violate people's rights or turn to violence as a first resort. But I don't support defunding the police. Now, this is what he said then. I broke this down on the show when this came out June 10th, 2020. I said he's absolutely correct. And he goes through and lays all this stuff out. I need to close this video. He goes through and lays all this out. And hold on just a second. Uh, so in the article, it's he starts out. And anything could happen. Hold on. Only comp. Okay, so in the article, he uh, starts out dealing with um, undoing systemic economic racism. Uh, he talks about uh, uh, we should also be directing our resources to actively uh, undo the negative effect of systemic racism uh, has on opportunities for black Americans. Uh, he talks about entrepreneurs being rejected for loans, all this stuff. He lays this out here with systemic racism. He then goes in and then starts laying out, don't defund police, support reforms, okay? So I'm going to bring this back up again here because they had an ad plan, and I'm trying to close this out here. All right, so let's try this again. I hate all these ads that pop up. All right, USA Today. We're going to go to the uh, clip from Roland Martin Unfiltered here in just a second, uh, uh, Jalen. Okay, so if you scroll down in this, so we undo systemic economic racism, okay, all for that. And they have executive orders that address this. There's going to be more legislation as well. Um, then, uh, okay, so they talk about this there. You scroll down. 
don't defund police support reforms. If state and local governments fail to make necessary changes, the Department of Justice must have subpoena power for pattern or practice investigations into systemic misconduct by police departments and force these departments to reform. OK, and that's and they do that through federal oversight. They do that. It, it's um, it's uh, monitored by a federal judge. OK, uh, these patterns and practices into police departments. While I do not believe federal dollars should go to police departments violating people's rights or turning to violence as the first resort, I do not support defunding the police. The better answer is to give police departments the resources they need to implement meaningful reforms and to condition other federal dollars on completing those reforms. Okay, condition other federal dollars on completing on completing those reforms. I've long been a firm believer in the power of community policing, getting cops out of their cruisers and building relationships with the people and the communities that are there to serve and protect. That's why I'm proposing an additional $300 million to reinvigorate community policing in our community. Every single police department should have the money it needs to institute real reforms, like adopting a national use of force standard, buy, buying body cameras and recruiting more diverse police officers. Okay, and we need to prevent 911 calls in scenarios where police should not be our first responders. We need to prevent 911 calls in scenarios where police should not be our first responders. That means making serious investments in mental health services, like he mentioned in the in the State of the Union address. That means making serious investments in mental health services, drug treatment and prevention programs and services for people experiencing homelessness. That may also mean having social service providers respond to calls with police officers. Now he laid this out June 10th, 2020, during the presidential campaign, all right? Read the rest of this here. Now, I, I, some people don't read. Biden, we must urgently root out systemic racism from policing to housing to opportunity. Okay, so we're going to uh, the first clip from Roland Martin Unfiltered, Jalen. So Friday, I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered, Friday, March 4th. And we talked about, um, Roland was on Dan Abrams' show um, on News Nation. I didn't even know Dan Abrams had a show on News Nation. Dan Abrams was the, uh, he's the chief legal uh, um, analyst for, uh, on ABC News, chief legal analyst on ABC News. And Dan Abrams misrepresented some tweets that Roland did about prosecuting police officers. And then we started talking about it. Uh, and I connected this to uh, the statement Joe Biden made about we don't want to defund the police. We want to fund the police. Let's go to this clip, Jay. Let's go to the uh, first clip from Roland Martin Unfiltered. Star Network. So um, yesterday, my publicist uh, hit me up saying folks at, at News Nation, at uh, a cable network uh, started by uh, Nexstar, used to be WG in America. Uh, they, um, they wanted me to on the show to talk about 
President Joe Biden's comments at the State of the Union to call dealing with fund the police. Sure, no problem. So uh, we had a pre-show uh, interview. Uh, it's called a pre-interview around 2 p.m. Eastern. The show, they said, hey, you're going to be hit time. It's going to be 9.25 a.m. Eastern. Okay, it's no problem. So, again, so I was told, I was told that the segment was supposed to be about this whole issue, the issue of defund the police and Biden's comments about fund the police. That's what I was told. So uh, they sent, um, they sent a, um, um, they sent a uh, remote truck uh, to my home. Uh, and in fact, if y'all go to my uh, uh, Instagram page, you'll actually uh, see that particular uh, video uh, where, uh, where, where I did the show. So, so fine. No sweat. That's what we did. So then right before we go live, like right before, they said something to the effect of we're going to refer to you as being an ardent supporter of defund the police. I said, well, that's not really how you can classify me. I wouldn't call myself an ardent supporter of defund the police. I said, I've interviewed uh, many other people um, in the movement. Uh, I can speak to their position. I can speak to um, why people have that particular point. Uh, and they were like, so, y'all, we were like seconds away from going live. Now, mind you, seven hours had gone by. Seven hours had gone by. And nothing had been said to me about this. And so... Okay. And I said, well, look, uh, y'all going to call me whatever y'all want. That's fine. We're doing the segment. So we, we go to the segment and, um, this is how it opens. Look, you've heard me say it on the show time and again, bad cops should and need to be held accountable. If you want to advocate for certain reforms, I'm all ears. But defunding the police is a nonsensical idea that can't and shouldn't and thankfully won't happen in this country. Joining me now is Roland Martin. He's the host of the talk show Roland Martin Unfiltered. He's covered the movement extensively. Roland and I have grown up in this business together. Roland, it is good to see you. So Roland, uh, what happened? I've seen that you have been tweeting out all cops should be fired, all cops should be prosecuted for murder. What's happening with you? (laughs) Freeze. Freeze. So I'm sitting there, come to me. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, why are we starting with my tweets? Now, mind y'all, I was sitting there and there was not a monitor in front of me. So I could not see the tweets. And so I'm sort of like, like what the hell? So look, y'all, this ain't my first rodeo, okay? I'm a pro at this. I know how to segue how to stick and move, stick and move. And so I, I went right into the conversation. Okay, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Uh, this is the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, Superstation, the Future Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. 
Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. To find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. Okay, uh, so I want to go back to this clip here. This is from uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered Friday, March 4th, uh, 2022. And I was a panelist. I'm a panelist each Friday on Roland Martin Unfiltered. He was talking about the uh, segment when he was on Dan Abrams' show uh, on uh, News Nation. Nobody watches Dan Abrams' show on News Nation. Let's go back to this clip, Jalen. Now, first of all, the segment was almost not playing the whole damn segment, not giving them that much time. Um, but I did circle back to the tweets because it needs to be addressed. Press play. Uh, what's happening with me? What's happening with the folks uh, who are out there uh, committing heinous acts? And again, without getting anecdotal about case by case, because I agree, if cops engage in misconduct, they should be held accountable. What I'm concerned about is a guy with a reputation like yourself, longtime journalist, you've been in this business a long time, you've got a big name, you've got a big following, and you're out there saying all cops should be prosecuted, and I think that's dangerous. No, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. You, you, you forgot something. All cops doing what should be prosecuted? Praise, what? Praise. So y'all saw what happened there. Okay? He comes back, and he's saying... Oh, I'm saying all of these wild, crazy things, buttering me up. Oh, you're a journalist, well-respected, loud voice, whatever. So I'm sitting here going, really? Hey, y'all got to understand. I've tweeted, oh, my God, I can't tell you how many tweets I've sent out. But I don't say just crazy stuff. That's just anything, just without context. Watch what happens next. Let's read. I mean, let's. Should we pull the uh, the, the quote from your Twitter again? All right. Can yes. we put up Roland's uh, tweets tweets again, please? Um, the two that we had in the introduction. I have no monitor here. Every cop. I have no monitor here, but Every cop should be fired. Free. Every cop should. Now, leave, no, no, leave it up. Leave it up. So, y'all see right there. This was a tweet that was sent on February fifth. Excuse me, February twenty second, twenty twenty two, from my iPhone at five oh five p.m. You see it right there. Okay. You see nothing below that. That's kind of important. Press play. Be fired was the first one, and then the second one. In response, every response to be what? prosecuted for murder. Response to what? Freeze. Boom. I'm not crazy. I know I'm responding to something. So you hear me say, "In response to what?" Which means I know there is context to what I 
worth talking about. Chris Play. It, it's not a response. It's your tweet. It was an it was an original tweet. It wasn't a response to somebody else. Please. All right. It wasn't a response to someone else. Right then, I knew he was lying. You can look at my face and watch what I say. Chris Play. No, no. What I'm saying is, it's not just like, oh, every cop should be prosecuted. If there are police officers, I've been very clear with this. When you have cops who purposely turn off body cameras, who turn off dash cams, got to go. If you have cops who lie on police reports, and we know after the fact that what they said was wrong, got to go. But again, All right. pause it right there, Jalen. You don't want to see accountability for... Pause right there. Let's go to the, let's go to the second clip from Roland Martin and Filter to say, to say Mike Limhotep. Let's go to that second clip because he comes to me. I'm on the panel. Let's go to that second clip. So you want me to come back on your show. Now, Dan, it's real simple. The only way I'm coming back on your show is if you are going to apologize on your show. You are going to have to let me know ahead of time that you are going to apologize for what you did. Pull that bullshit statement back up. He actually says, y'all, those words were quoted accurately and still seem unambiguous and much broader than about a single story. Y'all, that's a flat out lie. In and, and no world, Kelly, Michael, and Matt, can somebody remotely suggest that I was speaking broadly. First of all, y'all have done this show numerous times. Have y'all ever heard me say, fire all cops? We don't need no cops in America. Fire everybody. Who in the heck? First of all, the most ardent, hardcore, defund the police folk would never say some stupid shit like that. Right, right. Dan Avers, is, he's trying to get clicks and he's trying to get ratings. I didn't even know he had a show on News Nation. You know, I know I know him from ABC being the chief legal analyst from ABC. I didn't even know he had a show on News Nation. I watched... I watched First of all, I, a lot of folks ain't never heard of News Nation. Right, exactly, exactly. So I watched the uh, video you posted on your Instagram page last night when I got finished doing the African History Network show. And then I watched the entire nine-minute segment on uh, uh, on your YouTube channel. And and the, the other thing is is really important here, Roland. If you look at one of the Chirons during that uh, segment, it says anti-police crowd not happy over calls to fund the police. Okay, this is right underneath you speaking. All right, you're not anti-police. No. Nope. See what, what what they do is they they create they they create this narrative. To draw in, uh, to draw in viewers, to make this go viral, to try to increase their ratings. Now you, and, now, you, now know, you do know, you do know, uh, who was one of the people who was uh, hired as a consultant with News Nation when they first started. Was it you, Bill who? Shine, the former okay. number two at Fox News? But go right. Yeah, Bill Shine. Yeah, yeah, but that, but see, that's what they do at Fox News. They do stuff like that at Fox News to throw red meat to their base. It's very disingenuous. So uh, with, with Dan Abrams, somebody as intelligent as he is, he, he should know, number one, if he just saw us, if, if, if an intern handed him a sheet of paper with a standalone tweet from you that said 
all the police should be fired. He should know that there's something more to that. Okay, but no, he he wanted to run with that story. But lastly, the other thing is, Roland, I would encourage people this this whole thing with with Biden saying fund the police, things like that. I would really encourage people to read the op-ed uh, article that Biden wrote for the USA Today, June 10th, 2020, when he was running for president. And it said, it, and the name of the article is, we must urgently root out systemic racism from policing to housing to opportunity. And right in here, the second line says, he, he, he said federal dollars should not go to departments that violate people's rights or turn to violence as a first resort but I don't support defunding the police. And then he goes through and breaks this down. He said this during the campaign. He goes through and breaks all this down. But then when you look at when the uh, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, when the talks fell apart in September 2021, September 28, 2021, the article from theweek.com, you talked about it on your show, I talked about it on my show, largest U.S. police group appears to counter Senator Tim Scott well, because they, because they, because they, because they know he was lying. And he was lying. And this is the game what, that they play. The game that right. they play, and again, they want to sit here and tag folks with labels. They Pause want right to sit there, here. And Pause right there. All right. So we were, we were uh, behind. We started the show late on Roland Martin Unfiltered and running behind schedule. This is the point I was getting to. This article here from theweek.com. We talked about this when this came out, after it, after it was announced that the talks have broken down September 28th, 2021. Everybody pay attention to this. Read all these articles that I'm giving you. Largest U.S. police group appears to counter Senator Tim Scott's argument that Democrats sought to defund police and reform negotiations, okay? Senator Tim Scott, Republican of, of South Carolina and Senator Cory Booker, Democrat, New, New Jersey, and Karen Best, Democrat, California, fell apart. The, the talks fell apart primarily because Democrats sought to defund the police. This is what Tim Scott said by making departments ineligible for funding if they fail to meet certain criteria. This is holding police departments accountable. But a pair of prominent police organizations the International Association of Chiefs of Police and the Fraternal Order of Police, the FOP, appeared to push back against Senator Tim Scott's arguments because Tim Scott lied, appeared to push back against Senator Tim Scott's arguments. And uh, uh, on Tuesday, though the senator was not mentioned by name, this, they said in the joint statement, they said, despite some media reports, at no point did any legislative draft propose defunding the police. They're explaining that the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act does not defund the police. It actually specifically provided additional funding to assist law enforcement agencies in training, agency accreditation, and data collection initiatives. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act did not defund the police. It actually funds the police, but it does it in a uh, more responsible way, which is what Biden was talking about in the State of the Union address. Those watching on Facebook and YouTube, uh, Facebook fan page, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, keep watching. We're going to keep going for a few more minutes to break this down. We'll talk about this some more on our uh, Monday show, okay? Uh, remember, right now is correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. 
and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right. Okay. Let's keep, uh, let's uh, keep going. This deals with fighting against police brutality. John Hill, read these articles before you comment. I'm listening to what I, I can tell you haven't read this. You're repeating nonsense. Okay. Despite now, this is from the International Association of Police Chiefs and the Fraternal Order of Police. This we talked about this here on this show when all this came out. So this is not new for people who actually watch this show daily and actually like follow this information and actually read. We talked about this when this came out September 28th, 2021. Once again, the name of this article. Largest U.S. police group appears to counter Senator Tim Scott's argument that Democrats sought to defund police and, and reform negotiations because Senator Tim Scott lied. This is what happened. Senator Tim Scott lied, and the George Floyd Justice the Policing Act was adding more funding to police departments but doing it responsibly. And then when you read these articles, it goes through and breaks down what it was doing. Despite some, so this is this joint statement is from the International Association of Chiefs of Police and the Fraternal Order Police. They appeared to push back on Senator Tim Scott's argument in, in a statement, though Senator Tim Scott was not mentioned by name. Despite some media reports, at no point did any legislative draft propose defunding the police. They're talking about regarding the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. The problem is a lot of people running their mouths and, and commenting on social media, like some of the people commenting on the story right now, haven't read what's in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Haven't read exactly what it does. They're getting information from memes. They have no clue what they're talking about. Quote, in fact, the legislation referring to the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act specifically provided additional funding to assist law enforcement agencies in training, agency accreditation, and data collection initiatives, end quote. The article from the week goes on to say, those, provision, uh, those provisions would have helped strengthen law enforcement, improve community policing, quote, without compromising management and officers rights authorities and legal protections the statement went on to say from the international association of chiefs of police and the fraternal order of police they were in support of the george floyd justice and policing act it added more funding to police departments but it did it in a responsible way and it would provide more accountability the problem is a lot of people running their miles don't read this article came out September 28th, 2021. Okay, so, and they have the full statement here from the International Association of Police Chiefs and the Fraternal Order of Police, the FOP. Takes you to the Twitter page. It takes you, you can read, you can read the full statement there. Uh, if you go back, okay, so so it goes on to say, the, uh, the, the statement goes on to say, our organizations remain steadfast in working with all interested parties who are willing to take a fact-based approach to enact effect effective 
and lasting change to avoid a patchwork of state laws that do not provide uniform standards and guidance to the policing profession. Because the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act was going to be federal law that provides standards all across the U.S. The majority of control over policing is not at the federal level, it's at the state level because of the amendment to the U.S. Constitution, the state's rights. This is why people need to read the U.S. Constitution also. Okay, uh, so read the, rest of, read the rest of this article here. That's the most important part there. This is from September 28th, 2021. Now, none of the woke activists complaining talked about this. Because I saw statements from them, things like, none, none of them talked about this. Okay, so we have this one. And then... Just a second here, I gotta find... All right, let's close that out. So if we look at the article from... Uh, TheHeal.com. We talked about this article September 28th, 2021. We talked about this article also when it came out as well. This piece from uh, this piece from TheHeal.com and I got to see, where did they, okay. They set this in a new uh, hold on. They put this in a new tab. This one here from TheHeal.com is called police organizations say failed reform proposal would have strengthened departments, not defunded them. They're talking about the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Let's look at this one here. I've got a bunch of information. I have polls. We may talk about this some more Monday. I have poll after poll after poll that shows the majority of African Americans don't want to defund the police. They want safe police and they want uh rogue officers those that unjustly kill african-americans things like this they want them prosecuted but they don't want to defund the police Pol this is from the hill.com september 28th uh september 28th 2021 police organizations say failed reform proposal referring to the george floyd justice and policing act would have strengthened departments, not defunded them, because Tim Scott lied. Two police associations released a statement expressing disappointment over police reform negotiations ending on Capitol Hill last week after a bipartisan group of lawmakers said it had reached an impasse. The International Association of Chiefs of Police and the Fraternal Order of Police, the FOP, are disappointed that the, that the Senate, the U.S. Senate negotiators, could not reach an agreement on police reform legislation. And we thank all those members of Congress who participated, uh, who, who partnered with us in the effort, the joint statement from the International Association of Police Chiefs and the Fraternal Order of Police said. Quote, despite media reports, at no point did any legislative draft propose defunding the police. It is our joint belief that the provisions 
under discussion would have strengthened the law enforcement profession and helped improve the state of community police engagement without compromising management and officers' rights, authorities, and legal protections. They're still talking about the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Problem is people haven't read what's in it. On Sunday, Senator Tim Scott, who is probably related to Isaiah T. Montgomery, who was the only African-American in the Mississippi State Legislature in 1890 during the Mississippi State Convention, where they voted to impose poll taxes and literacy tests and write that to the state constitution to suppress the African-American vote. And Isaiah T. Montgomery, being a former slave, voted to suppress the African-American vote. And he voted for the poll taxes and literacy test. He was the founder of Bayou, Mississippi. He was a wealthy landowner, former slave. He was brain damaged, but at least his excuse for being brain damaged is that he's a former slave. Now what's Senator Tim Scott's excuse for being brain damaged? Senator Tim Scott claimed that the bill advocated quote unquote defunding the police. That's not what the Fraternal Order of Police and the International Association of Police Chief said. That's not what Senator Cory Booker said. Senator Tim Scott went on Face the Nation and he said, quote, we said simply this, I'm not going to participate in reducing funding for the police after we saw major city after major city defund the police. Tim Scott said uh, on uh, CBS, uh, CBS's Face the Nation. Meanwhile, Senator Cory Booker said the reform referring to the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act would have allocated, quote, millions of dollars more, end quote, to police. Senator Cory Booker helped write the bill. Meanwhile, Senator Cory Booker, Democrat of New Jersey, said the reform referring to the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act would have allocated, quote, millions of dollars more, end quote, to police. Now, does that sound like the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act is defunding the police, or does that sound like it's funding the police? Well, that's what Biden said in his State of the Union address. And he talked about accountability, holding police officers accountable, all that stuff. Just like he did in his op-ed article, June 10th, 2020, for USA Today that people haven't read. And just like they explained here, when the talks broke down on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act in September 2021, quote, Cory Booker went on to say uh, on CNN's State of the State Union, uh, State, Cory Booker went on to say on CNN's State of the Union, quote, we want to help officers with mental health issues, we want to collect more data, so we should give more resources. That's what Biden was talking about in his State of the Union address. He just spent a few seconds talking about it, but that's what he was talking about. That's what the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act does. The House of Representatives has twice passed a sweeping bill named after George Floyd. Um, and the bill bans chokeholds, carotid artery holds, and no-knock warrants at the federal level, overhauls qualified immunity, and creates a national police misconduct registry, 
But one of the most important things that the bill does is it lowers the federal standard that is required to federally criminally prosecute police officers from, it lowers it from willful intent, which goes to state of mind, it lowers it down to uh, negligence. Now, if you go to justice.judiciary.gov, let me try to pull this up here. Justice.judiciary.gov, they give a breakdown of what's in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Let me uh, try to pull this up here. Okay, that is, where's I want the one from justice? Oh, judiciary.house.gov. That's what I want right here. Judiciary.house.gov. Now we talked about this here on this show before because we actually deal with real substance. We provide you with the evidence. Proper documentation ends all conversation. So if you've watched this show for any length of time, you remember me going through this in 2021, breaking this down, fact sheet, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2021, judiciary.house.gov was house.gov, official website of the House of Representatives. And we went through and broke this down. Let me flip over to this here. this fact sheet on what's in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act and what it does. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act is the first ever bold, comprehensive approach to hold police accountable. And it spends millions more, it gives millions more dollars to police department, but it deals with accountability. It does it in a responsible way. It doesn't defund the police, it funds the police. People don't read. It ends racial profiling. It changes the culture of law enforcement, empowers our communities and builds trust between law enforcement and, other, and our communities by addressing systemic racism and bias to help save lives. The Justice and Policing Act would one, establish a national standard for the operation of police departments to mandate data collection on police encounters three it will reprogram existing funds to invest in transformative community-based policing programs and four it would streamline federal law to prosecute excessive force and establish independent prosecutors for police investigations. And they're talking about criminal prosecution. So then they go through and break down the categories. It'll work to end racial and religious profiling, prohibit state and uh, uh, federal prohibits federal, state, local law enforcement from racial, religious and discriminatory profiling 
mandates training on racial, religious, and discriminatory profiling for all law enforcement, requires law enforcement to collect data on all investi uh, investigatory activities, saves lives by banning chokeholds and no-knock warrants, uh, limits military equipment on American streets, and requires body cameras. Not just body cameras, you also have to pay for the storage devices to store the terabytes of information, which is very expensive. The George Floyd Justice Police and that did not defund the police. It funded the police. And people that know about it know this. This is what Senator Cory Booker said. He helped write the bill. Requires federal uniform officers to wear body cameras and requires state and local law enforcement to use existing federal funds to ensure the use of body cameras. Requires marked federal police vehicles to have dash uh, dashboard cameras. Hold police accountable in court. Hold police accountable in court. It would make it easier to prosecute offending officers. Okay, let me blow this up for the people with bad eyes. It would make it easier to prosecute offending officers by amending the federal criminal statute to prosecute police misconduct. They're talking about federal prosecution, which is, they're talking about criminal prosecution, putting them in prison. The uh, mens rea requirement in 18 USC section 242 will be amended from willfulness, willful intent, which goes to state of mind, to recklessness, to recklessness, to a recklessness standard, which is a lower standard that federal prosecutors will have to meet to get a criminal conviction against police officers. Because willful intent means, the way it stands now, it means that you have to uh, prove that, so it deals with uh, depriving someone of the civil rights, okay? The, the, the federal prosecution now deals with uh, depriving someone of the civil rights. You have to prove that the officer willfully intended to deprive someone of their civil rights, which goes to state of mind. It's hard to prove. That's a high standard to meet. If you can lower the standard that has to be met for federal prosecution from willfulness down to recklessness, it makes it easier to prosecute officers at the federal level, which makes it easier to get convictions. That's a bigger deterrent than, than, uh, qualified immunity. Qualified immunity is a civil lawsuit. That's not a criminal lawsuit. They're not going to prison over that. That's suing them. And, and the other thing is that people don't talk about one, the police unions are going to help them raise money if they, if they lose in court. So they, they, so they have to pay $10 million to a family. Police unions are going to help them raise money. One, two, insurance companies are going to start selling police misconduct liability insurance. Just like uh, doctors have to carry liability insurance, malpractice insurance, things like this. Insurance companies, if 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 qualified immunity is repealed, and I'm not, I'm not saying it shouldn't be, I'm saying it's a civil lawsuit. People ain't going to prison over that. A bigger deterrent is locking criminal cops up, putting them in prison. That's a bigger deterrent. The George Floyd Justice and the Police in that would do both. 
Now, in May of 2021, there was rumbling between the talks between Senator Cory Booker, Karen Bass, and Senator Tim Scott that the sticking point was qualified immunity. Okay? Now, um, Representative James Clyburn of South Carolina said he did an interview with uh, the Washington Post, May 2021. We talked about it here on this show. He said if qualified immunity is the sticking point, if you can't uh, get around qualified immunity, he said take qualified immunity out of the negotiations, take it out of George Floyd Justice, Justice and Policing Act and get the rest of the bill passed. He said it doesn't make sense to keep going round and round and you can't get the bill passed. He said, take that bill out. He said, take take qualified immunity off the table, take it out the bill, get the rest of the bill passed and come back and get qualified immunity later. I said, he's absolutely correct. What happened? They didn't do that. They kept going month after month, dealing with Senator Tim Scott, who was disingenuous. They, they were Senator Cory Booker and Representative Karen Bass when negotiating in good faith, Senator Tim Scott, black Republican from South Carolina was not negotiating in good faith. Then he went out and lied about why the whole deal fell apart in September, 2021. So when this article came out from Washington post, May, 2021, we talked about it right here on this show. Cause we actually deal with real substance and we go through, break this stuff down. Representative Clyburn says qualified immunity doesn't have to be part of policing reform. May 9th, 2021. He was correct. He, did, he didn't say it wasn't important. What he was saying was, okay, this is a comprehensive bill. Problem is people haven't read what's in the bill. So if you go through and look what's in the bill, like I said before, the most important part of the bill is not qualified immunity. That's just what's talked about a lot in the media. So that's what people gravitate to because they haven't read what's in the bill. Most important part of this bill is lowering, is dealing with 18 USC section 242 and lowering the federal standard to be able to criminally prosecute police officers from willfulness down to recklessness. That's the most important part of this bill. So Clyburn is saying, you look at, the rest of the stuff in here, investigate, investigate police misconduct, empower our communities to reimagine public safety in an equitable and just way. This is a powerful bill. Clyburn was saying, wait a second. You don't just sit there month after month dealing with this idiot. Okay, if he's saying, all right, qualified immunity is the sticking point. Take qualified immunity out. Now let's get the rest of the bill passed. Because you need 10 Republicans in the Senate to vote for the bill. The bill had already passed the House of Representatives. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed the House of Representatives March 3rd, 2021, by a vote of 219 to 211. All the Republicans voted against the bill. Actually, actually, sorry, it was 220 to 212. We passed 220 to 212. The one Republican who accidentally voted for the bill put out a tweet and said he accidentally voted for the bill and he was going to change his vote. No Republicans in the House supported the bill. You need 10 Republicans in the Senate to support the bill because the bill doesn't qualify for the um, 
a budget reconciliation process, which is which just requires 51 votes, a simple majority. You need 60 votes in the Senate. So you need 10 Republicans to vote for the bill. You can hallucinate whatever reality you want to. At the end of the day, you need 10 Republicans to vote for the bill. Clyburn knew this. So Clyburn said, House Majority Whip James Clyburn suggested Sunday that he would be willing to support uh, policing reform legislation, even if it did not end qualified immunity, the legal doctrine that shields individual officers from lawsuits. Those are civil lawsuits. That ain't criminal. That's not criminal prosecution. It's a civil lawsuit. He said, I will never, Clyburn said, I will never sacrifice good on the altar of the perfect. I just won't do it. You don't give up a good deal because you can't get a perfect deal and walk away with nothing. That's stupid. You don't sacrifice the good for the perfect. We can't get a perfect deal, so we're going to walk away with nothing. He said this on CNN State of the Union. He said, quote, I know what the perfect bill would be. We have proposed that. I want to see good legislation. And I know that. So, and I know that sometimes you have to compromise. If we don't get qualified immunity now, then we will come back and get it and try to get it later. If we don't get qualified immunity now, then we will come back and try to get it later. But I don't want to see us throw out a good bill because we can't get a perfect bill. So what happened? All the woke ass activists jumped on Clyburn, said he didn't know what he was talking about, blah, blah, blah. And what happened? The talks fell apart months later. They kept dealing with this idiot, Senator Tim Scott. The talks fell apart in September. And then what happened? They walked away with nothing. And I said here on this show, in May, we went through this article from the Washington Post. When this came out, right here on this show, I said, I said, Representative James Clyburn is absolutely correct. You don't sacrifice the good for the perfect and walk away with nothing. That's stupid. Clyburn's remarks were a departure from members of his own party who, along with civil rights activists, have pushed for the doctrine of qualified immunity to be eliminated, eliminated or changed. Qualified immunity has become a, a sticking point, blah, 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 whatever. And they and they walked away with nothing. They were trying to woke. Booker and Representative Karen Bass negotiated in good faith. They tried to do the right thing, but they were negotiating with somebody who was disingenuous. Senator Tim Scott. Re read the rest of this here. I said this back in May. I said, you don't keep sitting negotiating with this idiot. So what happened was they kept going June, July, August, September. Talks broke down. It came out September 25th. Talks broke down. They're going to walk away with no bill. If you had taken qualified immunity out in May 2021 and said, okay, now let's get the bill passed. And if Tim Scott kept going and running in circles, you would have known he was full of sugar, honey, iced tea. Then you wouldn't have wasted four or five months still messing with them. You could have gone to plan B, but you lost that time dealing with him. And the time is ticking coming up on the midterm elections. So for the sake of time here, because it's been a busy day, I taught a two and a half hour class today. 
um Senator Cory Booker said that George Floyd just said policing that spends millions of dollars more on policing. That don't sound like defund the police to me. That sounds like funding the police. He knows more about this bill than most people. He helped write it. We talked about this article on this show when this came out, September 28, 2021, from thehill.com. Washington Post. September 28th, 2021. Let's look at this article here from the Washington Post. Police groups say, quote, defunding the police, quote, was not proposed in reform talks, countered the GOP senator's claim. Hmm. This one is, uh, let's pull this one up here. This is from Washington Post. September 28, 2021. Let's look at this one here quickly. Now, I've heard activists after activists and all this stuff. Some of them, you know, I like many of them mean well, have good hearts and things like this. I haven't heard any of them say this and break this stuff down like this. I've seen them on MSNBC, the Black News Channel, heard Charles Blow on the Black News Channel, all this stuff. None of them are explaining this stuff. Police groups say defunding the police was not proposed in reform talks, counter the GOP senator's claim, Senator Tim Scott. September 28, 2021. Two of the country's largest groups representing police officers said Tuesday that defunding the police was not proposed in the policing reform negotiations, known as the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, that fell apart in Congress last week in an apparent pushback against the lead Republican negotiator's claim, Senator Tim Scott. Just say his name. Just Senator Tim Scott. So they go through the uh, International Association of Police Chiefs and Fraternal Order of Police, FOP. They go through with the statements we already went through, despite some media reports at no point did any legislative draft propose defunding the police? The group said in a joint statement, in fact, the legislation specifically provided additional funding to assist law enforcement agencies in training, agency accreditation, and data collection initiatives. It is our joint belief that the provisions under discussion would have strengthened the law enforcement profession and help improve the state of community police engagement without compromising management and officers' rights, authorities, and legal protections. So they talk about uh, Senator Cory Bass and, and um, Senator Cory Booker and Representative Karen Bass. After the talks fell apart with the deal with Senator Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott blamed Democrats claiming that their push to defund law enforcement made it impossible to agree to let on legislation because this is going to be one of Republicans talking points in the 22, 2022 midterm elections. Democrats want to defund the police. Defunding the police has never been a, a platform of the Democratic Party. Now, you've had some Democrats, some members of the House of Representatives, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Cory Bush in Missouri, you have some Democrats who advocate for defunding the police. 
But defunding police has never been part of the of the Democratic platform, the National Democratic platform. There's never been part of that. Republicans don't care. They're going to lie and say it anyway. They're going to lie and say Democrats are for defunding police. They even tried to say, even during the uh, presidential election in 2020, Trump was saying that Biden was for defunding the police. That's one of the reasons why Biden did that uh, article for uh, USA Today. He was like, no, I'm not. President Biden, Democratic congressional leaders, and uh, Representative uh, Karen Bass and Senator Cory Booker have rejected the idea of slashing police department's budgets. Senator Tim Scott's office did not immediately respond Tuesday to the statement by the police groups. Um, so in the tweet Monday, Senator Tim Scott urged Democrats to come back to the negotiating table. His office also pointed to a Wall Street Journal editorial arguing that police reform failed because Democrats, quote, sought to nationalize policing standards, dropping new burdens on local departments, but denying the resources to make it work. That's not true. The Federal Order of Police and the International Association of Police Chiefs applauded the effort and said it didn't defund the police. It added more funding. Quote, the biggest fight was over funding the editorial states. Mr. Booker says Democrats don't support defunding police, which progressive mayors and activists demanded after nationwide protests in 2020. Yet their proposal to restrict existing federal funds would risk a reduction in police resources. It made funds contingent upon meeting certain benchmarks. It made funding contingent upon meeting certain benchmarks. But overall, it added millions more dollars in funding to police departments. It did it responsibly. So read this one as well. Washington Post. I have a whole lot more information here. I just don't have the time to get through it. Because we did a two-hour show. It's a two-hour show. We're already over. So... Look at um, look at this one here from NBC News. How Democrats went from defund the police to refund the police. Even though defund the police was never part of the official Democratic platform, you had some Democrats who supported defunding the police. However they want to interpret defunding the police to be. Let's look at this right here. I'm still waiting on people to break this down. I'm watching people on MSNBC and Black News Channel, all this stuff, get paid to do this, and none of them are explaining this. Have you seen anybody break this stuff down like this? I don't get paid to do none of this stuff. Have you seen anybody break this down like this and provide evidence? How Democrats went from defund to refund the police. As crime rates rise ahead of the midterms, 2022 midterm elections, black mayors of the nation's largest cities are leading the call to crack down on lawlessness. 
And, and part of the shift also had to do with uh, Eric Adams becoming elected mayor of New York, which is the largest city in the country. New York has a population of like 8 million people. They have the largest police force in the country also. He's a former police officer. A young Democratic member of Congress declared defund the police movement dead on Thursday. And black Democratic mayors from San Francisco to New York, Chicago to Washington, D.C. are moving to increase police budgets and end the reign of criminals. As violent crime surges ahead of the November 2022 midterm elections, President Joe Biden and the Democratic Party are toughening their talk on crime and refunding the police only two years after some progressive activists took up the call to defund the police. Now, Mayor Michael Nutter, the former mayor of Philadelphia, said in an interview, quote, people are still against crime and people want to be safe. People are still against crime and people want to be safe. Now, what I've talked about here on the show before, and I've said this on Roland Martin Unfiltered as well, we have to focus on the four R's, reduce responsibilities and reallocate resources, reduce responsibilities and reallocate resources. The reason why is, is because when you shrink the responsibilities that police are responsible for, okay? It's somebody with a gun don't have to show up to everything. If you have somebody, if you have a homeless person laying on a park bench, somebody with a gun don't have to show up to that. Somebody, a, a mental health professional may need to show up for that. So when you reduce the responsibilities of police departments, especially in major cities, now some things may vary to 18,500 police departments across the country. The majority of control over policing is not at the federal level, is at the state level because of the 10th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So when you reduce the responsibility of police departments, usually, generally, that frees up some type of funding that can be redirected into other areas that deals with prevention, deals with mental health, deals with education, job training, things like this. But it's not just going in snatching funding from police departments. Because just snatching funding from police departments, generally speaking, there may be exceptions if a police department has excesses of millions and millions of dollars. But generally speaking, just going in and snatching dollars from police departments' budgets but still leaving them with the same amount of responsibilities, the same amount of backlog of cases. And then you and you have some police departments that are understaffed because you have police officers who've retired, who've left the profession, things like this. After the um, 2020 social justice protests, things like this during the summer of 2020 behind the killing of George Floyd, things like this, you have some police departments that are understaffed and they need to hire more officers. So because you, you have 18,500 police departments approximately, different sizes, different things like this, it's hard to just go and just take a cookie cutter approach and say every, everybody has to, everybody, you know, has to approach it this way. So the majority of control of policing is not at the federal level, it's at the state level. There was a, um, there's a piece from Cornell University, Cornell University's law school. Um, uh, 
that looks at this and it deals with uh what is that can we find that Do I have that? Uh, Use donation. That's not it. I thought I bookmarked it. Legal information. Fourteen. That's Fourteenth Amendment. This is dealing with the Tenth Amendment, but it deals with uh, you know what? Okay, that's the Amistad case. That's not what I want. Um, let me see if you can find this. Deals with the majority of control over policing is at the state level. That's what it that's what it deals with. And let me see what saw it uh, a couple weeks ago because I was okay this right here police powers yeah this right here police powers Okay, Cornell University Law School, Cornell Law School, police powers. Police powers are the fundamental ability of a government to enact laws to coerce its citizenry for the public good, although the term eludes exact definition. Uh, the term does not directly relate to common connotation of police officers charged with blah, blah, blah. Uh, the division of police power in the United States is delineated in the 10th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which states, quote, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people, end quote. The powers not delegated, to, not delegated to the United States by the U.S. Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. That is, in the United States, the federal government does not hold a general police power but may only act where the Constitution enumerates a power. It is the states then who hold the general police power. The majority of control over policing is not at the federal level, it's at the state and local level. Based upon the 10th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which deals with, which deals with states' rights. This is a central tenet to the system of federalism, which the U.S. Constitution embodies. Read the rest of this. 
So the, at the federal level, they can only go so far. All right, now, um, let's just look at, just for the sake of time, because I got a lot more information here, and I have like four or five polls, but we'll just look at one. Let's not look at the Gallup poll from August 5th, 2020. Let's look at, um, which let's look at USA Today Ipsos. Well, that's that's March seventh, twenty twenty one. Only one in five support defund the police movement. Let's look at uh, let's see here. Concern over. All right, let's look at the one, one more recent. Let's look at this one here from uh, Washington Post. July 2nd, 2021. Concern over crime is growing, but Americans just, but Americans don't just want more police. Also, Slate.com has a, a, a good article dealing with a poll as well. But Specifically, this talks about how the majority of African Americans don't want to defund the police either. And poll after poll after poll shows this. Okay. Let me pull this up here. This is from Washington Post. Uh, I have this up here in Firefox. Pull this up here in Google Chrome. Turn over crime. Is growing. Okay, let's pull it up here. Let's do it like this. Turn crime is growing. But Americans don't just want more police. This is uh, from the Washington Post, July 2nd, 2021. This is a Washington Post ABC poll. July 2nd, 2021. Concern over crime is growing, but Americans don't just want more police. Cleve R. Woodson Jr. and Scott Clement. Concern over crime has reached the highest point in four years amid a spike in killings in big cities and an uptick in violent crime, according to a Washington Post ABC poll released Friday. And the percentage of Americans who say crime in the United States is extremely serious has reached its highest point in two decades. 
The poll also finds a sizable majority uh, believe racial discrimination still exists in the country and say they hope that communities can find solutions to crime beyond putting more police officers on American streets, such as providing economic opportunities uh, to people in, in uh, low-income communities. The poll reflects a larger debate raging in city council chambers, activist circles, and even the White House about whether the nation can mitigate a troubling recent spike in violent crime and still make progress on the police reforms that gained momentum after George Floyd was murdered by a Minneapolis police officer. A 59% majority of Americans believe crime is an extremely or very serious problem in the U.S. According to uh, the Washington Post ABC poll, an increase from 51% in the Gallup poll last fall, fall 2020, and the highest level since 2017. Okay. Now, then they go through and they break this down by race. And let me see, where is that? Uh, if we go, if we go through and look at this quickly here. Uh, 55% majority of Americans who say Chrissy funding for police departments would reduce violent crime with views diverging sharply by party and race. Uh, historically rise at the, 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 the where's that? More than three quarters of Americans say Munda perceive where's that? Uh, black people say the country is making progress. Okay, let's deal with, hold on, where is help? Okay, I think it was the USA Today Ipsos poll, but uh, you, can, you can look at this one also here from Washington Post. Administration. Uh, reduce crime uh break down okay that is uh seventy six the months more seven tenths a violent crime would be reduced by stricter gun laws etc okay the one I was looking for was the ipsos poll. USA Today Ipsos, March 7th, 2021. This was right after the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed the U.S. House of Representatives because it passed March 3rd, 2021. And this is, I think this is it right here, USA Today Ipsos poll. 
uh, support to redistribute. So fewer than one in five support defund the police movement. USA Today Ipsos poll finds. It's March 7th, 2021. This was right after the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed the House of Representatives. So if you go through and look at this here, support to redistribute police department funding has decreased among Americans since August of 2020 after a summer of protests had erupted across the country against racial injustice and police brutality, a a recent Ipsos USA Today poll found. The call to redistribute police budgets stemmed from Black Lives Matter activists and protests and protesters who called to defund the police after that's George Floyd Brown and Taylor, et cetera. While some believe defunding the police is a call to get rid of law enforcement completely, and many activists are not trying to do that, many activists behind the slogan intended to make a more nuanced argument for police budgets to be steered toward community social programs so officers were less often required to take on roles better suited to social workers. Only 18% of respondents supported the move known as defund the police, and 58% said they opposed it, though white Americans 67% and Republicans 84% were more likely to oppose the movement. Only 28% of African Americans and 34% of Democrats were in favor of defunding the police. You can look at the you can look at the Gallup poll from August of 2020. Where's the Gallup poll? Uh, the Gallup poll was the first one that I saw on this. This one right here. Black Americans want police to retain local presence, but it's the type of the type of police. They still want to hold rogue officers accountable. They still want criminal officers locked up, things like that. It's how the funds are allocated. Uh, Let me pull this one up here, right here from Gallup. So uh, this came out August 5th, 2020. This is during the summer when you had the social justice protests. talked about it here on this show when I saw this article when this article came when this poll came out black Americans want police to retain local presence it's the type of presence 
It's the quality of policing, not bad policing. We're against police brutality. We're against bad policing. Black Americans are a bit more likely than most other groups to see police locally. Still, most, uh, still 81% want police to spend same amount of or more time in their area. So they go through and break this down. I don't have time to go through the whole breakdown. You can read this yourself. When asked whether they want the police to spend more time, the same amount of time or less time than they currently do in their area, most African-Americans, 61% polled, want the police presence to remain the same. This is similar to 67% of all U.S. adults preferring the status quo, including 71% of Americans. Meanwhile, nearly equal proportions of black Americans say they would like the police to spend more time in their areas. 20% said this, as they like to see them spend less time in their areas. But it's the quality of police that they want to see. <clears throat> So uh, you can read the rest of this also. But they want accountability for police officers. They want rogue officers, people unjustly killed people, things like this, like Derek Chauvin, prosecuted, but also want to try to keep those people off the police force in the first place. Okay, so read this from Gallup, August 5th, 2020. Cause it's like seven pages. I printed this out of seven pages. I don't have time to get through all of it. It's seven pages. Okay, so check that out as well. Look at the fact sheet that we went through about what's in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Because it does fund the police, it actually funds the police, but it does it in the uh, responsible way and it does it in a way to provide more accountability holding police officers accountable this is at judiciary.house.gov the the george floyd justice and policing that fact sheet and it goes through breaks down all this stuff that's in the bill and how it doesn't defund the police, it funds the police. All right. So hopefully you learned a lot here because I saw a whole bunch of nonsense just floating around on social media. Nobody broke this stuff down, explained it like this. If you saw somebody do it like this, let me know who they were, when they do it, when they do it, send me a video. Okay. Uh, so if you like this type of information also, so give us a thumbs up, give us a heart on this video, give us a like. We do a real substance here, provide the evidence for you as well, provide you with the sources, you can go research this yourself. Proper documentation ends all conversation. If you like this type of information also, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign the EHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the EHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me 
slash the EHN show, paypal.me forward slash the EHN show. This helps us keep doing the research down the air, pay the bills, pay some of the bills, buy printer cartridges, <laughs> buy printer cartridges, paper. Um, you can visit our website also, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have the information there um, uh, also at our website. And we have the, uh, you can register for the online classes that I on uh, on the weekends also, on Saturdays and Sundays. But we have the information uh, on a uh, website uh, dealing with Cash App and PayPal. Let me pull this up right here. And it has the link to our Cash App account there also. Uh, so when you go, if you uh, go to our Cash App account, uh, it is dollar sign the EHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the EHN show, S-H-O-W. When you go to it, it says Michael, shows my picture there. These other ones are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. That's not us. We have the link here uh, on our website and have the uh, donate button also through PayPal. Uh, we're here Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Times, and Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the African History Network show. Broadcast on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. So follow us there. Turn on live notifications so you know when we go live. Also on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I M H O T E P. Turn on live notifications there so you know when we go live. Download the iHeartRadio app. You can listen to 910 AM Superstation, WFDF here in Detroit live through the iHeartRadio app. You can listen to my show live through the iHeartRadio app, but also search for the African History Network show because I have my own channel there on iHeartRadio. And we have our shows audio podcasted there. So you have about, I think, maybe 300 podcasts of our shows. You can read articles I've written here, click there. I haven't written articles in some time. Um, you can advertise with the African History Network. Uh, current promotion, buy one month, get two months free. For limited time only. But we, we have the information here dealing with the online courses that I teach as well. Saturdays, it is from the uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, but they didn't teach you in school. Uh, we do that 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Sundays, it is from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. So the class is on sale right now. Limited time only, $60, regularly $130. You have the bundle pack, you register, register for both classes. $400. If you've taken any of my online classes in the past, and I've been teaching them uh, since 2017, if you've taken any of my online classes in the past, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. You'll get 50% off uh, on the classes, okay? And I'm going to post the link here on the thread of the broadcast. So as soon as you register, uh, we have archived content. We do the sessions live. All the classes are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. So as soon as you register, you can watch the classes that we did um, this weekend, okay? Uh, you can watch that. So we'll post the link here. All right, I got your email, Kenya, also. I got to get I gotta get on that on Monday, jump on that on Monday. Okay, look, we have to, we're way over time. We have to get out of here. Uh, we'll be back Monday. Remember, right now is correct. Your own behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace. <laughs>